Yeah, totally. I think that's, you know, that's a key part of it. You know, you can build really, really complex stuff with it, but it's all very visual and it's using essentially this concept of workflows is prevalent through pretty much every no code tool. And it's mm. uh, essentially what a programmer would probably call like an if then else statement, but that anyone can write without necessarily, it, 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 I guess the most basic example would be Zapier of, of a tool that does mm. that. But um, yeah, I think your point on uh, developers, uh, you know, is really valid. And I think it's, you know, it's something that is, that's really interesting to dive into because uh, the thing is no code te technologies aren't taking, uh, you know, they're not at war with developers. And in fact, I think they make developers lives better because, you know, from two ways, um, it frees developers up to work on more interesting problems mm -hmm. than perhaps building a very simple, you know, UI of like a, a CRUD app, basically, <laughs> like that has been done a million times. Uh, why would a developer want to work on that if it could be done in no code? You could go and work on something that was a, a problem that actually needed to be solved with custom code. Mm. Uh, and on the other side, I think it's really exciting for developers in that product managers, so people like me, can actually prototype ideas at that very early stage. So Whereas before I might have been writing a ton of specs and getting a Figma thing designed with a with a designer, now I could actually go and make a, a, a test app and try it and hand that over to the developer and mm. say, productionize that. <laughs> so like it, and 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 removing a load of risk and uh, learning in the process, so that you know, you hopefully would be going through fewer development cycles, working out the kinks, uh, because you'd you'd effectively validated that the idea was worth pursuing before you even went to the developer. I'm Chris O'Hare, your Quick Win CEO. And as a CEO, I've run businesses, founded startups, consulted for others, and even won awards. But in this show, we'll be talking to entrepreneurs and experts to help you understand key concepts for your business along with three quick wins that you can take away and apply to your business today. And every week, we'll be finding out about the entrepreneur themselves and diving into a different but important topic. And this week, we're talking all about how to build apps with no code. And yes, you've heard me right. You can build an app with no code. And James Wood will be enlightening us product expert who has gone from having his own VC back startup with many developers to taking back the power and creating his own apps using no code platform bubble. James even created and sold his own no code app over lockdown and even built a new app over his Christmas break and already has monthly subscribers. When he's not building no code apps, James is the chief product officer at software company user replay this episode is highly recommended for those who have considered making their own app honestly this is one of my favorite episodes your minds will be blown so here we go james wood thanks for coming on this show james firstly tell me the last thing that you read or watched or did that left an impression on you and it could be anything it could be a netflix series a funny video a book that you read I, I read a fantastic book recently uh, called uh, Angel by Jason Calacanis. So he was like one of the first investors in Uber. And it was it's just a fascinating uh, kind of book that kind of gives, it's a guide to angel investing, basically. But it's also really, really candid advice to founders for, like from an investor's perspective about how to approach that relationship uh, and how to manage it and I, I, it's just really really fun and entertaining read and I, I'm actually going to read it again it was so good uh, it's just a really enjoyable one that's what sounds epic I mean uh, I think it's really important that people actually think about the the side that investors are coming from as well because you always hear it the other way right you always hear it from the founders you know that came from nothing and 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 conquered um, and disrupted an industry and made all this money but you actually never hear it about like what does an investor actually want and I think that's really good so I'm definitely going to have to pick that up but as soon as you said that the first thing I thought, thought about was the um, the lost and founder book by Rand Fishkin I don't know if you read that have you read that one 
I've got it on my shelf, but I haven't got to that one yet. I've it's heard a great it's very book. good. Yeah, it's good. I mean, you can, uh, I mean, Rand Fishkin is a controversial fella in his, his own right. And he's always, um, you know, hot on his social media. So I knew it was going to be a good book and it was, and, but it's, it, it's exactly what it was. It was about um, that candid advice that you could give um, to, to founders and, some of that stuff that I've read in that book is stuck with me. And I, I still think about it quite regularly when I'm making decisions about where I want to go or what direction I'm going to take in terms of startups. So I really like that. Um, I'm definitely going to read that one. That's going to go on my Kindle. So, awesome. Thank yeah, you. and I, I think it's great advice, even if you're not interested in getting an investor, by the way. Like, right. if you're not okay. looking for investment, it's still really good stuff that is just kind of great foundational stuff that everyone should do whether they want to find an investor or not so yeah it's fantastic right okay that's that's good to know so in your own words give me an understanding what you do what's your business do um and kind of what's your skill set great so yeah i uh, uh in my day job i'm a chief product officer so i look after uh, the product that uh, a company builds. So uh, I work for a company called User Replay and we're like an online digital experience analytics platform. So for big retailers, helping them to identify how to uh, improve their websites, basically. So what, what are users struggling with? So day to day, I look after the product on that and that's essentially uh, managing our product managers and working with our engineering teams to build the right thing uh, and to help make our customers happy basically so that's what I do in the day job uh, but in uh, in all my free time and uh, pretty much any moment I'm awake I'm also working on tons of uh, no code stuff so I said I also build loads of uh, no code apps uh, a few of them have been acquired um, and also uh, I continue to build them and launch them as well uh, but yeah that to me is you know such an exciting topic and it's uh, one of the things I'm most passionate about is it's really a kind of a transformational technology that is, is really changing how ideas come to life and how companies can get started. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm kind of most excited about right now. So tell me what a chief product officer does. What What is it? You, you look after the product, but give us a bit more detail for the people that don't necessarily know what that means. Yeah, absolutely. So. The first thing I would say is it, it tends to, dip, uh, it, it varies by company wildly. Like I've also been a product manager for years at different companies. And I'm sure a lot of other product managers will probably agree that the role varies from organization to organization. It's kind of, a, it's one of those interesting ones that it really depends on the company. Um, but yeah, chief product officer, what they are really responsible for is guiding the product vision and uh, organizing uh, the teams around making, bringing that product vision to life uh, and really making sure that what, what you're building as a company, you know, is, 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 it, is what the customer wants, is what the, 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 the business wants, the finance team want. But most of all, it's really customers that I think we're most obsessed with. But um, yeah, it's, it, we're really trying to bring all those different components together to drive uh, the, the company forward from a product perspective. So it's all it, it, it it's usually kind of software companies that i think of but nearly every company is kind of becoming a software company now but yeah that's um that's kind of what i uh, it means to me anyway yeah i mean i've heard that um stakeholders is a is a really key word when it comes to product like you're bringing all these stakeholders and, and you're trying to make everything fit this this jigsaw puzzle to get the best product there is um that's is that, that you can actually deliver and what i love about uh product managers and and that whole realm of it is that you're coming at it almost from a business analyst type of approach with where software has added the, its own agile scrum kind of methodology um and, and kind of terminology into it and made it more uh, fluffy <laughs> but yeah. essentially it's, it's very much a business analyst but also you, you're kind of bringing in ux ui and that kind of whole whole side of it would you agree on that absolutely yeah i think a lot of what a product manager does is to really almost get out of the way and free up the path ahead to make good things happen um but i think i think sometimes people describe 
being a product manager as the CEO of the product or, mm. you know, uh, the product CEO. I don't always think that is a good way of describing it because that implies the, the product manager is the person who makes all the decisions uh, about, you know, this is everything about the product. It's my decision personally mm. for every detail of this product. And I think, you know, really good product managers, they're really drawing those ideas from teams and, you know, they're not, they're not there to dictate everything. They're really to, there to get pick and almost kind of curate the best pits from different parts of the company. So, you know, that's certainly something that I always encourage is that, you know, I, I really believe that the best ideas usually come from the people who are on the front line talking to customers every day, whether that's in, you know, customer support or junior engineers, anyone uh, like, so really the best ideas should come from anyone in the team. And it's really the product manager's kind of role is to uh, curate those and and bring them to life, really, rather than to say this is what we must do. So it, I, 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 that's kind of my take on uh, product management. Anyways, it's very much you know clear the path ahead, get rid of all the distractions, and enable good things to happen, rather than uh, be kind of dictating what should happen all the time. It's a really good definition. I like that. So I'm going to go back and listen to that one again. That was uh, was pretty epic. Um, but you're a product guy, so you you've got your mind on product and and how apps should work and how to make them succeed as the end goal. And you're doing all these other things that you're you're doing. So you've got your own entrepreneurial ventures, um, these other no code apps that you're doing. Surely the two kind of overlap in some respect, which you feel that being having so much experience around product means that you, you know exactly how to, to create a decent entrepreneurial app and make it a success. Um, I, I wouldn't be so bold as to say that, but I would, I would say <laughs> I kind of, I know, I, I would hope I know how to measure what's working and to, and know the right ways to test things and to get things mm. out there. Um, again, like in, in my kind of day job, the whole product of user replay is essentially for product. It, the product itself is for product managers and e-commerce retailers and stuff to help them build their products better. So, you know, really trying to figure out, you know, what's broken on my site, you know, what, what are users struggling with? So, yeah, I think it is quite an interesting perspective that I kind of come from it from because, I'm making a tool I would want to use myself, you know, yeah. which as a product manager is, is, you know, it's a great place to be really, because you're kind of, you, you are the customer at the end of the day as well. So yeah. you kind of have a bit of an insight into uh, exactly, you know, what the best way might be ahead, but of course with checking it as well and measuring for, for actual kind of results. So let's talk about these apps that you've, you've like the one that you built and sold over lockdown. Tell me about that. What did what did that do? Yeah, so that's a funny one. Um, so I think at the beginning of lockdown, we were probably all playing a load of Zoom quizzes. I know I was, and I was, you know, at the time, <laughs> they were really fun. And it was like, it's the only thing we could do. So there were loads of them happening. I was arranging loads of them. Um, and I just found, oh, this is, you know, it's actually quite a lot of work to organise a quiz and to go and find loads of questions of difficult like different uh, difficulty levels organizing them all like sending out the answer sheets to everyone and collecting the answers and marking and all of that so i thought you know uh, i'll just build a quick app to do this for for the next quiz i was going to do with my friends so uh, i built a, a no code app that uh, you know showed the current question everyone could answer through the app worked out the scores uh, so yeah, it took me a, a day or two. It was kind of just a nice hobby. Uh, I put it together. Um, and in the end, yeah, I, I ended up, uh, publishing it on Twitter and it ended up getting thousands and thousands of people install installing it. So, um, over the next few weeks, I added more and more features to it. So I connected it to a questions database and did tons of mobile optimization and everything like that to try and make it work uh, as smoothly as possible. And um, yeah, it was it was really really fun to work on. 
it was uh yeah it was it was one of those things that kind of almost kept me going a bit because it's uh you know it's uh, such a fun thing to do to build these apps especially mm. when you've uh, you know you, you're using them yourself you've got your friends using them getting loads of feedback so yeah it was really enjoyable but then you sold it like what happened yeah yeah i did so i wasn't i mean to be honest i didn't see myself wanted working on a quiz app for the next five years so i'm trying to be kind of strict with stuff that i'm working on is especially at the moment that i'm really you know focusing on stuff i want to work on long term so uh yeah i thought you know i think i'll 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 put it put this out there uh, and just see if anyone else might be able to take it on take it in a new direction uh because i was also getting a bit sick of zoom quizzes by kind of late summer as well so i think i was like i'm my my uh, enthusiasm for this project is waning a bit so i think i would it'd be a good time to pass it on to someone who might kind of want to carry it on and take it to a, a new direction so yeah i put it on a on a, a, um, a SaaS marketplace i had loads of offers uh, it was a very time consuming to be honest to go through and actually work out are any of these serious uh but yeah i found a fantastic guy in the states in the end and uh he he's taken it off and pivoted it slightly but yeah no it's been fantastic to see it kind of carry on and uh and um, you know carry on be successful and it's still around it is still around yeah he, he's he did pivot it away from quizzes uh to more educational content so for i think he, he pivoted it towards uh american uh, education uh, mm. quizzes for their ed- education okay. system so yeah he, he changed it a bit but um yeah great to see it still going and that he was able to pick it up and you know change it so quickly as well which is you know kind of a testament to building it in no code i suppose yeah 100 percent. i mean what are these other apps that you've built so what are you focusing on now your your other no code app Yep. So right now I'm focusing uh, on an app for Shopify. So I got, I, I'm really, I'm really interested in Shopify as a platform. It's, mm. uh, you know, there's some fantastic products for it. It's a really nice ecosystem. Uh, so yeah, my, uh, my current product is, uh, is all for Shopify sellers. So essentially with one click, uh, Shopify seller can install it. And my app will then survey their customers constantly. Uh, so every time a customer places an order, it will send them a customer satisfaction survey. And then you can track through the software, you know, what products are performing best, what customers are happy, which ones aren't. Uh, and you can also trigger them from like when a customer abandons a checkout, for example, then you could sur- survey them automatically. Say, you know, why didn't you check out? Um, so yeah, uh, I'm doing that all through Bubble. So it's with a, a deep integration with the Shopify API. So um, yeah, again, kind of amazing stuff you can do with Bubble without being a programmer. Um, I have had a little bit of help on that one uh, from uh, a, a programmer to to do some of the API integration with Shopify, uh, because there is uh, some complexities there. But for most use cases, there's a plugin already. So for, for most platforms, there is already a plugin for Bubble in this example uh, to, to integrate with it. But for Shopify, there wasn't. So I created one. So um, I'll probably release it um, publicly as well in case anyone else wants to build uh, Shopify apps on Bubble um, because it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you need to kind of have a little bit of code knowledge in this example. But for, for most projects, you don't at all. Right. That's, that's really interesting because you're using a, another platform that's seen as relatively user-friendly like Shopify or, or, you know, and then taking something else that's a no code platform and then building another thing that works so well with it. It's something I hadn't even thought about, to be honest, like creating integrations and plugins. And, um, and I think that's what the, the real power is, is, a lot of people don't really understand the power of APIs and what you can get out of these these apps and and apps like Bubble and no code platforms like Bubble allow the everyday user to be able to access this information. So I, I think it's fantastic. I think that's a really good testament to um, anyone can do it, right? In, in terms of like going into something like Shopify and creating an API and you've got a whole business model out of that. So, I mean, what's that called? Uh, user loop. Yeah. So user it's, uh, loop. yep. Dot IO. So, 
uh, yeah, that's that's coming along pretty well. I'm uh, hoping to have the, the the new version, which fully integrated with Shopify, out there in the next week or two. But yeah, amazing again, amazingly quick. It's come together. Uh, started it over Christmas, so that was my Christmas project. So wow. um, you can put stuff together pretty quick. Wow. Okay. And uh, I'm assuming it's it's still in beta phase. You have users on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is launched. Uh, it is launched and live right now, and people are using it. Uh, but it isn't uh, at the moment. You can use it with any uh, any shop platform. So okay. there's a bit more manual setup involved. Like you actually have to go and install the the survey snippet yourself. Um, and I, uh, you know, after a bit of research, I really decided to go all in on Shopify and make it a Shopify only product. Mm. Really, for the for the benefit of you can install it with one click then. And there isn't any more configuration, but um, gotcha. there was a little bit of friction with that sign-up process, um, and I decided to just put in that little bit of extra work uh, with integrating the Shopify API, so that it's a very smooth mm. sign-up process. That makes a lot of sense, um, and the fact is, by niching yourself down into Shopify, you're probably going to get a lot more customers as well. Um, and the fact that you're removing all that friction again, that's like, that's exactly what a product manager would do. They see from the customer's perspective and they go, do you know what? It's not smooth enough. How can we make this better? So I love that. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, uh, yeah, because I, obviously I'm using all of these analytics tools myself mm. and you would watch customers maybe struggling with that sign up process. And then that maybe leads you to think, well, how, you know, people are obviously not finding this clear. How can I make this better? And that maybe has then driven me down that angle to say, okay, let's just niche it down just for Shopify. But for, for those Shopify users, it's going to be very, very smooth process. So it's not going to maybe appeal to as many people, but for the people it does appeal to, it should be a, you know, a, a lot nicer to use. Right. Okay. So as an entrepreneur, I mean, I think we've got a bit, bit of this already. Um, what drives you to get out of bed in the morning? What's that, what's that thing that makes you hungry? Uh, I think it's really the, the, the excitement of creating something. And, uh, you know, there is a lot to be said as well for just the thrill of, of, of sales as well can be really fun. Uh, if, if uh, you know, when you see an order come through for your app, uh, you know, somebody you maybe you've never spoken to has, you know, put faith in you. And even if it is only $5 a month or something that they've signed up for, it's really exciting and it's, uh, you know, it, it, it keeps you going and makes you kind of want to do more mm. of that. Um, so yeah, I think it's that combination of being able to create stuff, you know, quicker than ever on a shoestring budget uh, in a way that was never, you know, not, not possible three, four years ago. Uh, and, you know, being able to make SaaS apps that people love and, and are happy to pay for and, hopefully then to, to scale them as well. So um, yeah, it's a, it, it's a really, really exciting time now to be building a software company. Like I, there's, you know, this has probably always been true, but I don't think there's been a better time than now uh, to start one. So um, I'm sure that will also be true in a week <laughs> as things continually evolve. But like, this is a really, really exciting time, I, I think for, for people to get started. Yeah, hundred percent. It's, it's, it's one of those things that people are becoming more of a with the software world because they're actually having to learn and spend time with these digital tools because the work is requiring them to, right? Whereas before in the past, they could rely on um, the, the old kind of style types of tools, but they also had a lot of um, communication and verbal communication and, and actually going around and speaking to people and meetings um, so I think the fact that people are more comfortable with digital tools means that they are using more digital tools in the other parts of their life. Um, and I think that's what the power is of what's happening now. Um, but in terms of like this epic topic, you know, of no code builders, let's talk about you. Obviously, you've explained um, how uh, how you've kind of blossom into, into this no code expert um but what would you say your definition of a no code builder is what what is it that that makes you go that's exactly what a no code builder is do you have a well, definition i think the interesting thing is is that 
you know, no code technology has been around for a crazy long time. Like even if you want to define it as being a website builder. So, you know, you could imagine back to things like Moonfruit in like the 2000s, but yeah. you could probably call a no code builder in some way. Yeah. I think that what's what's happened now is that um, it's the, the things you can do with no code is way, way, way above what it was two or three years ago. So whereas you might have been able to build a marketing site with no code, uh, now you could build... Uh, a data pipeline, uh, an iOS app, uh, a SaaS app, you know, you can really build, you know, proper applications uh, using this technology without, without having a programmer. Um, so yeah, for me, I think uh, I would, I would really just classify no code as any technology, which is empowering people to build, uh, build things without necessarily having any training or very, very, very technical knowledge. So it's, it's really leveling that playing field and making, you know, creating a, a SaaS startup accessible to many, many more people, like probably 90% more people, uh, you know, before you had to be a programmer, really, or you had to go out and raise money to hire programmers to build, to build your app. Now uh, things, things are changing. Um, and that's, you know, it's going to mean a lot more competition. So you're going to have a lot more people building apps, but ultimately the world needs more software. Like there's a lot of stuff still to be automated. So it, it's going to just mean that uh, people can, you know, there's going to be more people coming in and building great stuff. So that, I think it's good for everyone. Yeah, hundred percent. And and the thing is, um, there's a shortage of developers, right, at the moment. So if you want a developer, then the price tends to be quite steep, and that's because there's just not that many of, of them to go around. Uh, but there's also, for me, a no-code builder is about um, a a tool for democratizing the ability to create your own ideas as well and that's what i love yeah. about it and i think it's it's really kind of beneficial for the non-software developers but i actually think it's really beneficial for software developers as well whether that's from the customer side for them to kind of say look this is the product we want here you go can we take that product and turn that into something with bespoke code because we, we've reached the end of its life or a developer t turns around and says, look, let me whip you up something quick to see if this is actually an idea that you really want to pursue and go, go ahead with um, using something like Bubble. And actually it gives them the opportunity to, to give that back to the customer and say, look, this, this is what you can use. Go test your idea and you can make changes to this if you wanted to. Um, so I think for me, that's, that's a big part of the definition. And obviously another big part is the fact that it has like a drag and drop interface to it. Um, for, for me, if it's drag and drop, <laughs> it's there's usually an element of no code there. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's, you know, that's a key part of it. You know, you can build really, really complex stuff with it, but it's all very visual and it's using essentially this concept of workflows is prevalent through pretty much every no code tool. And it's, mm. uh, essentially what a programmer would probably call like an if then else statement but that anyone can write without necessarily it, it, i guess the most basic example would be zapier of, of a tool that does mm. that but um yeah i think your point on uh, developers uh you know is really valid and i think it's you know something that is that's really interesting to dive into because uh the thing is no code te technologies aren't taking uh, you know they're not at war with developers and in fact i think they make developers lives better because you know from two ways um it frees developers up to work on more interesting problems mm -hmm. than perhaps building a very simple you know ui of like a, a crud app basically <laughs> like that, that has been done a million times uh why would a developer want to work on that if it could be done in no code you could go and work on something that was a, a problem that actually needed to be solved with custom code mm. uh, and on the other side I think it's really exciting for developers in that product managers so people like me can actually prototype ideas at that very early stage so whereas before I might have been writing a ton of specs and getting a figma thing designed with a with a designer 
now I could actually go and make a, a, a test app and try it and hand that over to the developer and say, mm. productionize that. <laughs> so like, it, and, and, and removing a load of risk and uh, learning in the process so that you, you hopefully would be going through fewer development cycles, working out the kinks, uh, because you'd, you'd effectively validated that the idea was worth pursuing before you even went to the developer. So, you know, there's a, there's a couple of ways I think it makes their lives better, definitely. I think that whole piece around MVP and ideation and, and understanding the customer's needs and solving their problems is massive when it comes to no code. And um, if you could leave everything else, all its benefits, that is the thing that I always love and I always come back to people and say, look, you don't need this. You don't need this. You need to go down a no code route, validate your idea, then come back to me and say, I want an app. Right. And then you'll know if your your app is essentially worthy of the money that you're going to spend on these things. Right. They, they're not yeah. cheap. App, mobile apps are not cheap. No, absolutely not. So, you know, anything you can do to de-risk that and, you know, build it and test it yourself before you go and give away half your equity to an investor or to go and hire a developer to build something build it yourself and really say, you know, validate, is there a demand for this before mm. you put too much of your own money on at, at risk or you go and give away half your equity. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a powerful tool from that perspective. Definitely. What about the price? I mean, that's going to be a massive benefit. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you've got the, a huge saving in terms of uh, building yourself using it. So you've, mm. You can you can build an amazing app yourself if you're willing to put the time in, do the tutorials, watch the YouTube videos, read the docs. Um, I, I yeah I completely taught myself pretty much from you from that and over the last couple of years. So like there's a ton of resources out there. Um, the cost of running the the apps is pretty uh, is very competitive as well. So I think that's the other interesting thing is they remove all that decision-making you have to make around, am I going to be on AWS? What programming language am I going to use? How am I going to host this? What servers should I have? You don't have to think about any of that stuff. It's kind of abstracted and the, the no-code platform manages that for you. So pretty much all you have to do is you know, build your app and then the no-code platform runs it for you. So there isn't any... Uh, DevOps <laughs> to mm. deal with it, uh, it the the no code platform takes care of that for you so um, yeah both from a build perspective and from an operations running perspective uh, super competitive uh, and you know it, you can start these projects for free basically so you, most platforms have a, a pretty okay free plan for you to build it then if you want to do certain custom things like add a domain more storage, more capacity, uh, prices go up from there from probably around $30 a month, something like that, uh, to run a basic no-code app. So yeah, pretty pretty competitive, I'd say. And, well, massively competitive. I mean, the thing is, a lot of apps don't go anywhere because they don't have the startup capital to invest into these things, or you have to get a co-founder, and and that's, that's a job in itself, trying to find a co-founder. The amount of apps I've... Uh, try to to help people get co-founders uh, and, and to get someone as passionate about your product is really difficult. Um, and that's the key factor, isn't it? Passion. Like th these, you know, they say that it takes 10 years to take an app from nothing to something that's worth exiting. Um, so do you really want to start this app today? If it's going to take you 10 years to get there? I mean, obviously there's other people that are very lucky and they get away with in a few years because I've hit on something, but yeah, that's a long time. But in terms of the hosting, I love the fact that you're mentioning the hosting, the maintenance, the ops, DevOps side of it. The fact is they handle all that without you even having to think about it. So they yeah. scale, they, they do what you need it to do. Um, and I don't think people realize what a big job this is for developers. Like a lot of what, what we do as developers is manage and maintain um, the, the, the kind of packages and the fact that it needs to be updated, the security holes. Um, these are all things that are handled by the likes of 
bubble or other no-co platforms, but also the worrying about the, the server and the scaling and the performance of that, which is not necessarily the forte of something like bubble. And actually that's something we can cover after, but initially you don't need to worry about that. And, and I think that's something that's a massive benefit, especially when I've worked with customers before in the past where I've said, you know, where do you want to take this? Do you want me to build an app now for an MVP? Or do you want to think about scaling? Do you want to think about that performance of it? So it, it's a massive issue. And that's something that Bubble doesn't, um, doesn't allow you to think about because you don't need to, right? No. No, I mean, and I would say to people who are, you know, who are getting started, don't worry about scaling uh, being a problem, uh, you know, especially if you're building on something like Bubble, uh, because if scale becomes a problem for you, then you're in a really good position. That means mm. you're doing great and you can worry about that then. But don't, uh, yeah, at the beginning of your project, I think the most important thing is get it shipped as quick as possible, you know, with a, a version that's going to make customers happy and try and get as cut as many customers as you can using it but if scale becomes a problem that's actually a really good thing and you know you can decide then you know do we want to migrate off of no code or do we want to try and scale up on using the no code platform uh, but that's a really good position to be in like so uh, definitely don't worry about scaling at the beginning uh, just try and get to a, a place where it is you know scales becoming a problem because then you know you know you're doing something right basically and what about the plugins, right? Bubble has this library of plugins um, that you can plug in uh, mm -hmm. and use to develop some of these features, almost like WordPress or, or other platforms like Shopify. Now, with bespoke coding, it's not quite as simple as that, right? You, there's packages that you can use, but there's still a lot of um, customization and manipulation to make them do what you want them to do. Would you say that's a big benefit to, to no-code platforms? Yeah, yeah. So I think the one that uh, there's probably two plat platforms that really stand out for me in terms of plugins. One is, as you say, Bubble, like they have a plugin for pretty much any service you could imagine that allows you to interact with it at a, a, a data level. So a couple of examples of the most popular plugins they have are things like google sign in so go go and grab someone uh, let someone authenticate with google pull data from their google account um airtable let someone log in with airtable and interact with their airtable account and you know doing all of this through the workflows within bubble um it's really quite amazing uh, what you can do there's there's thousands of plugins as well so there's paid ones and there's community ones and there's ones that are made by bubble themselves so there's there's a lot of variety there. Um, the other platform that strikes to mind about just having sheer huge amount of integrations is Zapier. Um, and there's a lot of the same concepts uh, that are in Zapier or in Bubble at a workflow level. Um, but obviously Bubble takes it to a completely another level because you're controlling the UI and the database and everything else as well. But I think Zapier has around 2000 apps that it's integrated with. Uh, I would guess Bubble's around a thousand really powerful you know and, and that's the way that software is going these days it's this integration of things that it that they're good at so if yep. you have a crm and it's good at that then let it stay a crm and not have these massive uh platforms which do everything and anything and actually you can pick and choose what you want to use and have this free flow of data exchange between all these platforms that are connected via the APIs. And again, coming back to that point earlier that I made that people don't realize how powerful um, APIs are in, in, in consideration of what they can do with this free flow of data. Um, now, when you're thinking about Bubble as well, I think about the fact that it can be quite easily changed and it's flexible in terms of the way that uh, a customer has a need and you're not serving that need, and you could then essentially jump into Bubble and change that to be able to, to better um, service your customer or service your ideal user. Would you say that's a benefit for you? 
Yeah, it's definitely a benefit for me. And it's something I see a lot of people who build apps on Bubble, you know, say as actually a competitive advantage for them mm -hmm. is that if a customer comes to them and says, why isn't this button here? Or why can't I do this? They can literally add that feature within five minutes and, you know, deploy it to live and it's there, um, you know, and it's that kind of the speed and the ability to do that kind of stuff that really can make you, you know, competitive against bigger software companies if you can mm -hmm. be get that speed i mean that also comes with risk and responsibility is you've got to be testing this stuff and make sure that it works and be doing it in a responsible way that you're not constantly kind of breaking your app because you can break your app with something like bubble so you do need to kind of be careful with what you're doing but the power is there that you can you know for, for most features that customers would ask for in a, in a SaaS app you can add them within you know within an hour uh, certainly quite easily so let's talk about the disadvantages of using something like bubble i mean we, we've kind of touched on some of them previously but when would you feel that bubble or no code platforms are, are not suitable so yeah they're definitely not suited to every kind of app uh, i think that would be the first thing you know is to to really to really go and take a look at what other products have been built with that platform and to look into their communities that are often really helpful, uh, particularly Bubbles community is. I mean, at, at, a, at a generic level, what they really excel at is building uh, SaaS applications that are run by a database and the user is interacting with everything through the browser, uh, things like CRMs, social networks, uh, back office systems, things like that, that are, you know, pretty straightforward web applications. They can be integrated with other services through APIs as well. But I wouldn't say it was suitable for something like if you gaming, for example. So if you were trying to do something that was like an interactive game, it's not really designed for that. Mm. It really is, it is, uh, it is best placed for manipulating data through kind of a uh, a, a, a fairly standard interface but that's what most applications we use every day are yeah. so you can build most kinds of things that you want with it um, but yeah i would definitely look into it because it, it can't do everything uh, but what it can do it does very well and obviously it's a really good point the fact is something i should have brought up earlier is the fact that it is very database centric um these no-code platforms and that's the power right it's the fact that you have a database and the likes of Airtable. the reason why they've been so successful is that they combine a spreadsheet with a database um and then bubble kind of takes that a step further and says you know you can customize your whole front end your user interface again on the back of a database and that database could be manipulated in all sorts of ways. And you can pull data in how you want that data to, to be retrieved in a, a very quick way in comparison to, to the old school ways of having tables and, and, and especially in the likes of Excel. So if you think about, do I need that from a, you know, a data point of view, the power is massively there. I mean, when you start thinking about corporate companies that have all these data analysts, and they are using the likes of um, Excel all the time to kind of pull this data. Well, they could control that data far more fluidly through a platform like uh, no, like a bubble or no other no-code platforms, or even use something like Airtable to get this information out, out of it that they want. Um, but there's still a massive learning curve there, right? Like it's yeah. still not, it's not easy. No, no, it definitely isn't, especially if you're kind of new to database core concepts. Uh, you know, there is some stuff that is a bit, you know, you do have to kind of get your head around just the fundamentals of how to structure a database. Like that's mm. actually with Bubble, one of the most challenging things is when you're getting started is how to, you know, structure your database. So you've got your users and your things and how are they connected and how should that be organized? So that is something that you really do want to spend a bit of time you know when you're beginning with no code is to to, to go and watch a load of youtube tutorials around that um there's a fantastic channel called coaching no code apps that's the one i got started with 
and there's fantastic advice on there just around the fundamentals of how uh, a database works in the no code world for example you know how do you structure things in a logical way um because yeah that that's certainly one of the things that you could end up uh and i certainly have you know built apps that weren't optimized in the best way at the beginning and it can make things difficult later on but the thing i would say is just get started and try making a very simple app with a very simple database to learn those key concepts um, I think on Bubble, for example, there is actually when you sign up, there's a tutorial that it takes you through in just creating a very, very simple uh, web app. And it's really just learning through doing, I think, is, is one of the best ways to, to get to grips with that database mm. concept. That's certainly what I did. Um, and you, you eventually just start picking it up. But it's, uh, yeah, I would just try and start with something simple. Uh, because uh, if you go in there trying to build like a massive CRM at the beginning, it's probably going to be a bit overwhelming. But if you try and build something simple and then, you know, add on to that and build up, it's going to be, it's going to be more fun and more rewarding as well, because you're going to have more wins along the way rather than, uh, you know, getting frustrated as um, I certainly was frustrated the first time, few times I used bubble, you really do have to persist through it. There is a learning curve, but it really does pay off. Uh, so yep. Yeah, Get on the community, go on YouTube, podcasts, uh, even books. Now there's books about Bubble. So like there is a lot of materials out there. And, um, you know, once you start picking it up, it's addictive and you'll, you'll, you'll be really uh, building stuff you never thought you would be able to. Mm. And coming from a developer's perspective um, and looking at the likes of Bubble, your software engineering skills that you've built really do come to an advantage and you can start to whip up things quite quickly because you've got that logic and that mindset there already but there's things you can't do and 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 i think that's a, that is a frustration that is a limitation you you feel like you want to go and do this thing that you're used to doing elsewhere and you can't do it it also feels pretty slow as well to a developer to build something out. Um, we're so used to, you know, having our keyboard shortcuts and we're whipping around um, an IDE or an, an, a development environment and building out these things that we want to do. Um, but you just don't get that in the likes of Bubble. You have to do things very manually, very systematically in a, in a, in a structure that it wants you to do. Um, but in terms of, that software engineering, it sounds like you've picked it up quite easily, quite nicely. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, is um, it's probably different perspectives because I've tried, you know, do, you know, being a coder and like learning actual programming languages and stuff myself. I could never get along with it. Um, that, uh, but with no code, I was a I'm able to build, you know, some really quite complex stuff. I think, you know, even though I can't actually. I mean, I could write HTML, but I can't, couldn't write like a, a JavaScript <laughs> query or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it's really, I think if you're a more visual person like me, you probably find a no-code tool builder, uh, a no-code no -code builder quicker. But um, if you're more uh, programming inclined like you, it's, it's, it's quicker that way. So it's just different tools, different people, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, 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 I tried to code several times. I couldn't get into it. But um, so for someone like me, something like Bubble was really exciting because I could suddenly actually build things uh, myself. So, um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's nice to have that variety, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, like for me, it's, uh, it, there's a limitation there of things I can do, and I'm touching on that briefly. But what, what would you say the limitation is for you? Where would you say that Bubble would stop and you need to kind of take it a bit further? I mean, I'm uh, probably of the view that I would try and stay on Bubble for as long as possible. I think one of their core things they're trying to do is uh, help apps scale to bigger user numbers. I mean, the thing is, there are some wildly successful companies using Bubble to make real money. So I think the example that comes up the most often is a company in America called uh, Dividend Finance. Uh, so it's a company, they install solar panels on people's roofs and there's financing around that and it's all built through Bubble and they've processed uh, over a billion dollars worth of installations through their Bubble app. So there are like, you, you can build serious stuff with it. So um, I would, 
personally, I would aim to try and stay on it as long as I could. Um, but uh, I know uh, it, it really comes down to it, the, 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 the user experience as well. If the user experience continues to be good, even at scale, I would be fine with staying on Bubble. I think the only reason I would move off is if, uh, if there was a uh, if, it, if it wasn't able to cope with load or the or it was too slow uh, things like that but i'm i'm quite optimistic that they're working on that and um, you know you can get to a very decent scale on bubble without having to move off if you wanted to would you say there's is there any complexity there that you can't get from bubble that you might feel like you would need in the future or would you do workarounds to try and stay in on the platform um the, the thing is you you can uh so you can get into writing your own plugins so you can run your own server-side react code uh things like that you can write your own api connectors so you really can push it to the limit and i've not come across anything in my recent projects that i haven't been able to do with it hmm. um even so you know quite advanced data things uh like encoding videos and things like that using external APIs been able to do through it. Um, so I think for most SaaS apps, you could, you can get a long way with it. I guess it, it there, there will, there would come a point of diminishing returns where you were trying to hack bubble to do more than it maybe was intended to do. If you really were pushing the bounds of trying to build a huge SaaS business on it, um, then you probably would, you know, there's kind of going to come a point where you're probably better off switching to a coded, you know, proprietary code base. Um, but I think for most people, that's quite far down the road. Like you can get to, I would imagine, you know, you could get to 10k to 50k a monthly run rate on an app built on Bubble. Um, and you know, many people are doing that in their community. So it's uh, it's definitely possible to get a good way down the road uh, just just by using that. That's, I think that's what I really wanted you to dig into so people can hear that actually they could take this quite far. Because I think that is a big concern. And so they feel like they're going to put all this energy into one platform and then they're just going to have to take it off because it doesn't give them what they want or yeah. they feel like there's a there's a limit there at some point in the future and they don't want to rely on it. So I think I think that's really important that you, you elaborated on that. And what about intellectual property of the actual code itself? I mean, you are very much reliant on, say, if you built it in Bubble, on them hosting this in a way that that's suitable for you. Um, you know, if they if they decide to shut down, which they won't, but there's there's an op, op, there's a there's still a possibility there, and especially if you have investors, that they, they they could see that as a risk, and they may want to take that away. Yeah, so uh, in the specific case of Bubble, it's quite an interesting setup that they have. Um, so they public they publicly put a declaration out there for uh, anyone who's building on Bubble, uh, a kind of a commitment that uh, if the company was acquired or if they went out of business, they'd open source the Bubble engine so that you could run it yourself. Hmm. Um, so I think they've put that out there to reassure investors who might be investing in a company built on Bubble. But essentially... There is some risk there, you know, they could go out of business there. It could stop working and you are quite invested on that platform. Um, personally, for me, the benefits outweigh that risk. And there's always some risk with whatever backend to technology you're using, like PARS, for example, uh, the, the, the backend company that Facebook bought and shut it down and, you know, left a lot of people kind of hanging. They did open source a bit of it, but with it, with whatever technology decision you're making, there's always that kind of risk inherent in it, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for me, the benefits outweigh that risk. And I, I really, I really hope that uh, Bubble continue to be independent. I think they will, as they quite public about their revenue and it's very, very significant revenue they have now. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would be a disaster if, if they were to be acquired by Google or someone like that. But I, it does reassure, reassure me that they've got, they've got that commitment that they would never shut the company without open sourcing the engine so that your app could continue to run. Uh, so for me, that was a reassurance with them. So you've clearly demonstrated that 
people should definitely look at building a no-code app if that's the route they want to take in terms of getting into software. How do they get started with this? How do people get started with a no-code builder? So I think, first of all, um, when you sign up for like Bubble, for example, there are about five to ten uh, coached projects. So you sign up and then it will guide you through building some very simple apps and definitely do not skip over those lessons. So follow them through and it really is introducing you to pretty much all of the, the core concepts of building a no-code app. And you'll be able to do things like uh, write to the database, create tables, and it guides you through every step of the way. So like, first of all, follow the tutorials. Um, second of all, I would say get on YouTube. There are fantastic walkthroughs of how to build apps. Uh, and a lot of apps, uh, even you can open them in editor mode and see how they're built. So a lot of apps on Bubble, people will just leave public and you can go in and see how they're put together. And for me, that's quite helpful. Um, but also just get involved with the communities. There's some really fantastic no-code communities out there where any question I've asked people, uh, I get several answers and people pile in to help me out. So it's a really kind of, it's a really nice community. So the Bubble community, uh, no code founders is another fantastic one uh, and makerpad is another one so there's there's a, a few of these places where you can really go and seek advice on uh, on on how to get started but yeah i would just first of all run through the tutorials watch some youtube videos and get involved on the communities what about if they don't necessarily have the idea fully fleshed out how what what recommendation would you give to them if they haven't quite started with bubble but they don't quite know what they need to do should they just get going building something or would you recommend they talk to their customers first uh personally i would uh there you, there is a lot to learn through just going and building something mm. simple uh to, to learn those key concepts so maybe try building a very simple crm or a very simple e-commerce store or whatever the very most basic version of that thing just just build it and it even if no one uses it you'll have learned a huge amount just by going through that exercise i've probably built a hundred apps and like only maybe five of them anyone else actually used but it's like it's that process of going through learning it you know it, it's fun as well i i kind of feel like it's a game for me like it's it is fun putting all the building blocks together and connecting it up so yeah i would um just get building something don't worry about the idea too much because the whole point of no code is you can change it anyway so if your yeah. idea changes just change it uh, so no problem yeah i, I would I'd go along that route and the power of actually having an mvp in front of a customer is mighty powerful right so yeah if they can see it and they can touch it and change it and fiddle with it, then you're going to get far more insight from that than you would asking them a question. Would you buy this? Um, and actually you could stick a landing page up with, um, you know, a, uh, a payment gateway to really understand if they would actually, after they've used it, will they pay for it? And that's, yeah. that's something that is highly valuable. You're never going to get that kind of information if you don't, necessarily have something for them to play with and use and, and see that's real um, you've all, always going to be slightly um, worrisome in terms of like is this something we're investing in is it really a thing that they want to buy definitely and like my first uh, kind of serious startup that I did I didn't have a product at all I sold uh, sold the product from a PowerPoint deck with a load of mock-ups of something that didn't actually exist. And that's how I got the first few orders. Wow. Uh, but today, of course, I'd go out and build an MVP with this because mm. I can now and I, like it wasn't possible, uh, you know, five, 10 years ago. Uh, but yeah, you know, really take advantage of that and get an MVP and put it in front of customers at the, the earliest opportunity. Yeah. You know, you don't have to just sell based off of a PowerPoint deck or a website. Now you can, in a day or two, get a little app up and running and uh, put it in front of people. Love it. Great. Really good. So let's wrap up. I mean, what are your top three quick wins then if people want to get involved with starting or using a no code builder? 
So I think first thing I would say is try and automate one process in your business or your day-to-day -day life. So uh, maybe try out a platform like Zapier to start with, get used to some of the core concepts of building workflows and just try and automate one thing that is mundane that you have to do every week. So whether that's sending an email invoice or you know Slack message or whatever you have to do every week, try and automate one thing uh, using a no-code platform. And that will kind of might get you on the journey to you know, automating more and more and building apps and all of that other stuff, but try and start simple to begin with. Um, the other thing I would say is, like I said, do those bubble tutorials. Uh, so if you sign up for a free account, uh, just run through those tutorials. It literally guides you around how to build an app. So, uh, and it will give you a real feel for what's possible and just teach you some of those core concepts without you having to put too much time in. Each one's about 20 minutes. So once you've done that, it's, you know, it, it gives you a good uh, onboarding. Um, and the other slightly more kind of out there one that I would say is that, um, one of the best things that I've done over the last few years is really learn how to use an API. I know that might sound, uh, you know, a bit uh, intimidating, but again, there's, it's a lot easier than you think. And uh, it, if you're just dealing with something very simple, like pulling in, let's say, recipes from a recipe API, there it, it can be as simple as calling a URL and parsing the data within the bubble app. So I would watch some tutorials just around basic APIs, how they work and try and understand that a bit because that is something that is really gonna be beneficial if you're gonna get the most out of these no code platforms is that understanding of what APIs work, uh, what they are and how they work. Love that, really good quick wins. Uh, and the API one, yeah, man after my own heart. I definitely think that, that I don't think people really uh, realize the value that they can get from from that and we've kind of covered quite a lot of the resources that you can access when it comes to no code builders is there any others that you'd recommend other than you know no code founders and makerpad and youtube videos and obviously the the bubble community if we're going to go down the bubble route Probably the, the other one that I think is worth checking out is just on Twitter, the build in public uh, hashtag. Um, so I share a lot on that one and a lot of other no code builders do. And, you know, sharing stuff that's, you know, just the basics around how they're building their app every day using this, this technology. So I would definitely have a look at that hashtag because it's, uh, you know, you'll meet a load of other like-minded people who are also, you know, uh, you know, at the end of the day, very early adopters of this technology. It's still very early days. So everyone's super supportive. So I definitely check that out. And what other platforms would you recommend other than Bubble if people wanted to have a look at the variety? So there's a couple and they each specialize in, in different things. So for, like, for data manipulation. So if you want to really manipulate data and change things and write to databases and all that kind of stuff, I would check out Parabola. Uh, so that is, uh, it's like a, a super, super powered of Zapier basically, uh, but it, it lets you manipulate data within, in, in, in workflows is very powerful. Uh, Zapier is probably the one most people are familiar with. Uh, so that's automating workflows, connecting to lots of different apps. I think you can get 20 free workflows a month. So it's great to kind of get started. Uh, then you've got Bubble, of course, for building SaaS web applications. Um, so th those kind of more traditional sassy type apps you would build uh, with uh, Bubble. If you're interested in mobile apps, so like native mobile apps, uh, there's a platform called Adalo, uh, which is really worth checking out. Uh, uh, so they're the leader, I would say, in in uh, native no code app uh, development uh, for for just basic databases and things like that, then Airtable, I would probably check out if you just want to build a simple relational database, probably keep it simple on that. Um, and the final one is for marketing sites. So if you do want to build a really nice marketing site and you're not a programmer, then I'll check out Webflow uh, as the one to look at. But yeah, hopefully that's a good kind mm. of uh, selection of ones to have a look at. 
yeah and that's really good that you've shown the variety as well that actually they don't have to be pigeonholed in one area so i think that's really good and if people want to ask you questions how can they connect with you so you can find me on Twitter at uh, James Devonport, or you can just drop me an email anytime at james at userloop.io. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty around. So I'd love to talk or answer any questions anyone has on no code. But uh, yeah, I think it's uh, such an exciting area. So mm. yeah, I'd love to love to talk to you. Great. Thank you, James. I really appreciate that. And I think everyone's going to get a lot of value from this podcast. Fantastic. Well, thanks for having me on. It was really good fun. It's, uh, you know, it, like I say, it's early days, so it's going to be changing a lot, but it's, uh, it's really exciting to see this technology come of age. What did you think of that? Are you inspired and empowered to go out and build your very own app? If so, take on James's great quick wins quick win number one try and automate one mundane process in your life using a tool such as zapier quick win number two make sure you complete the no code app walkthroughs as it will guide you on how to build an app and quick win number three learn about apis and how to use them by watching tutorials but what was your favorite bit of the show Tell me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube, where you can find me with at Hair Digital. And remember, there are several other podcasts available to listen to. I especially recommend What is Coding with Melanie Shatinsky, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. But whilst you're there, I'd be so grateful if you can subscribe and write a review. And until next time... I'm your quick win CEO, signing out.